Kids Book Storytime. I'm Sri Hardy, and today I will be continue reading M.C. Higgins the Great, written by Virginia Hamilton. If you have this book, you can follow along with me. If you don't, it's quite okay. Get in a very comfortable place and get relaxed and listen quietly to M.C. Higgins the Great. Bet it's the dude, M.C. thought, but he's going the wrong way. Hey, he yelled. The figure went up and over the hilltop, away from Sarah's mountain. Shoot, MC said under his breath. Must have been somebody. At once he thought of the girl he had seen on the path. What does she mean roaming around all by her lonesome? He had to smile. He made a muscle in his arm and felt it jump up hard. Should I go out there, scare her again? It wouldn't have taken much of him to climb down his pole and hunt for the girl. Already the sun had started to burn him from his scalp down the side of his body to his bare feet. He gritted his teeth about to slide down when a clear sound of laughter drifted out of the hills. He turned quickly to the right, where low mountains and more foothills curved gently toward Sarah's. Over there was a lake nestled in a cirque a natural amphitheater between foothills. Laughter was coming from there. His brothers and his sister had just reached the lake. Almost forgot about them, MC thought. The kids, Lenny, Poole, Harper, and Macy Pearl, always swam in the lake on a hot morning. The lake water could be as cold as ice. It had blue holes and grottoes emerging into pools a short distance from it. Squinting, M.C. saw the children wade gingerly in the water and then swim out. They were like fish gliding and diving. After a while, a few town kids drifted over the hills and down to the lake. Half afraid of water, they splashed in the shadows along the shore. M.C. let his pole sway gently. He caught a certain gust of breeze. He continued to sit more comfortably now for he did have to watch out for the kids over in the lake. He had to wait for the dude, and he let the thought of a lone stranger, a girl in the woods, slip out of his mind again. Macy Pearl and MC's brothers could swim well enough to care for themselves in the water, but if one of them did commence to drown, don't think about it. MC frowned. They don't know how lucky they are, swimming, playing, without a worry for food or nothing. His mother, Benina, was off cleaning houses. Jones, his father, worked as a laborer in the steel yard at Harrington when somebody was sick like today. A whole month could go by and often did before someone became ill. Whenever work was scarce and food was low, MC didn't count on his rabbit traps. Depend on them, we'd starve. He hunted with a burlap sap, a rock or two, and a paring knife. He had no dog, though he taught himself how to be the hunter. He would read animal signs around trees or in wetlands and along streams where they came to drink. Hunting was hours and hours of stalking, of blind trails, of studying the ground and listening. It could be bloody too, but he could hunt well when he had to, using the paring knife to skin and gut the animal. When MC couldn't be around sitting on his pole, to watch the kids, he made them stay inside the house, sometimes for hours, 
He had taught Macy Pearl to sit in the parlor for as long as it took him. She wouldn't even move her hand. I can't hunt so good, he told her. If I'm not positive, you are safe here. I can't catch me a shameful thing if you be running the hills or swimming the lake without me to watch. Whatever Macy Pearl thought during the long, half-hungry hours when she had to sit, she could do it because MC had told her to. They stay safe. They listen to me. Now MC kept watch over the lake, straining his eyes so that they began to ache. He shifted his gaze back to the hill range. Hills rolled eastward and became faded with haze. Across from Sarah's, he again saw somebody moving. His pulse quickened as he saw it was a man moving slowly in and out of trees. The man slid away on the hill slope, and then he rested. He thinks he's lost. It's a dude for sure. MC made his pole move in its graceful sweep forward and back. If the dude would just look up the mountain, he might see the shiniest needle in the world. MC made the pole move more quickly, but the figure still rested on the hillside. MC stopped the pole in the middle of its arc, causing it to shudder violently along its length. He was pitched forward on the bicycle seat, but managed to twist his legs around the steel and hold. Hey, MC yelled as loud as he could. Up here, up here, hey, over here. His voice echoed off the hills. The dude was standing. He started moving down toward the gully, stretched along foot of Sarah's. Hey, MC called again. The dude stopped still, trying to locate the echoing voice. Don't go down. Go along it. Where it narrows, there's a path. The dude looked up and up, seeing something. He was moving again, and he went straight into the gully. Fool, MC whispered. He lost the dude at once, his view blocked by trees along the gully lip. There was a fairly easy path up the mountain, continuing off the hill from town. The dude had gone beyond it along the gully. MC waited, but the dude didn't come out of the undergrowth onto the ledge, outcropping. He's gone too far to the left, MC thought. Hey, he yelled. Hey, 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 the hills echoed. MC twisted around on his pole. Minutes passed, staring up and up behind him. He searched the summit of Sarah's mountain, but saw nothing. Again, he waited. After some time, a figure appeared up there. Stick-like, it was etched against the outline of the mountain. It walked along the summit to a point directly above the deep gash made by mining. It was the dude, waving both hands above his head. MC waved back as hard as he could. Here, he called. Hi. Hi there, the dude called out. His voice wasn't deep. It sounded kind of thin and scratchy, echoing. He acts okay, MC thought. Impatiently, MC waited, but the dude made no move to come off the summit. He stood up there like a black scarecrow rooted to the spot. Maybe he's height sick. Do I have to go get him? Since the mining, MC never went up there. And uncertain what to do, he sat a moment longer. He gazed off to the cirque and the lake where the children played, now skipping stones on the water's surface. They'll be all right, sure, he told himself. He slid down his pole as fast as he could 
without burning his hands from the friction. And scrambling over the junk around the pole, he rushed to the edge of the outcropping, find the dude something to lean on. He searched the undergrowth for fallen limbs of trees. Presently, he found a dry and sturdy piece of branch. That ought to do him, MC. MC took the stick, hurried back to the rear of the outcropping, and began picking his way up. There was final slope. He used the stick like a paddle, jabbing it into the mountain on his left side, and leaning heavily on it, he walked up the mountain. He found the dude in the midst of what had been the summit of Sarah's Mountain. Now it was an empty place, as large as a five-acre cornfield. Only there were no corn stalks. Where MC and his father had once hunted wild game, there was no longer a tree left standing. Trucks and mining cats had stripped and flattened the summit until it was bald like the gully. The dude bent over. One hand was on his hip and the other braced his knee, as though he had a pain in his side. He wore a tan suede hat, the one Ben had told MC about. It had a wide brim turned down. Carrying the stick, MC ran over to the dude. Hi, he said breathlessly, coming up to the man. Then he stood there staring. The dude straightened with a look of pain that vanished as quickly as it had come. How do, son, he said finally. He extended his hand to MC. James K. Lewis, they called me, he said. Hi, MC said again. I'm called MC. Hesitantly, he reached for the dude's hand. It felt hot, full of minute tremors that seemed to flow up MC's arm. Limply, the dude let go. He was still breathing hard. He shook with the exertion of climbing the mountain, and sweat rolled off him. Down his shoulder hung a long black box on a strap. The tape recorder, MC thought. He felt a sweet surge of excitement. Tape, Mama's voice for sure. James Lewis's gray trousers had got wet somewhere and were drying with mud to the knee. His black city boots were a disaster. Dirt caked and soggy cleared through. MC watches every move. Oh, Lord, Lewis said. That's some climb up here. You went wrong, MC said. I tried to warm you. Heard you too, Lewis said, but I couldn't tell a thing with all the echoing. You'll get used to figuring out, MC said. And then, Charlie, you come far? The dude nodded, smiling feebly. Come clear from the town of Harrington, and I tell you, he said. MC couldn't help laughing. That's not but a little over two miles, he said. You sure of that? Lewis said. It felt like a long kind of desert, and me without a, my camel. MC laughed again. Right away he liked the dude, with the heat still to get hotter. Lewis wore the suede jacket Ben spoke about, and a long sleeve white shirt. He had on a black tie, both black and shirt, looked ringing wet. Now he took a white handkerchief out of his shirt pocket. Though folded neatly, the handkerchief was smudged and soiled. Lewis wiped his face and neck with it. He removed his hat. There was a deep line around his forehead where the hat had been. He rubbed at it with his handkerchiefs before putting on his hat again. MC studied his face. It was the color of barn-dried walnuts with deep creases which MC guessed were lines of worry. 
and maybe some laughter. His eyes were black, but clouded with fatigue. His hair was graying all the way through. I sure got myself lost, Lewis said. At least I think I was lost. How do you know if you're lost when you don't know where you are to begin with anyway? Anyhow, I walked right into some kind of bog, clear to the knee. Sure thought I was a goner in some deep death trap of quicksand. MC smiled nervously. He wasn't sure what he should do for a man who had come to take his mama's voice. So, he waited and tried to look friendly and to speak as pleasantly as he could. What I mean, MC began, where did you come from before you ever came to the town of Harrington? Oh, well, the dude said, I I come from a far jump from here. Yes, indeed, he added vaguely. He was gazing out at the landscape behind Sarah's mountain to the north. His hands rested on his hips as he stared. After a moment, he spun around and looked south again toward the Ohio River. Now, this here is called Sarah's Mountain, if I'm not mistaken, he said. Always has been, M.C. told him. He had softened his usually hard, heel voice to fit the gentler, flatter tones of the dude, and he was quick to grasp the matter-of-fact rhythms of Lewis's speech and match them. I've heard of Airy Mountain, Lewis said, and Baldy and Eagle, but I've never heard tell of Sarah's Mountain before. Yes, sir, M.C. said. She was my great-grandmother Sarah. Was she now? Lewis said, well, it's some mountain. I'll say that for sure. But they ought to rename it Awful Divide. They surely should. Quickly again, glancing at MC's anxious face, he smiled engagingly. Oh, I don't mean to say there's a thing wrong with naming it after your great-grandmother. That wasn't my point, no, sir. But just you look back there. Now he was squinting north, behind Sarah's. I come that way, Lewis continued. I mean, I had to ride through there to get here. And I'm telling you, I've never seen anything so clear in my life. All right, we're going to stop here, boys and girls, at page 34, and we will continue reading M.C. Higgins the Great until we get to the end of the story. What's going to happen with M.C. And the dude and MC's mama's voice. We'll find out. Well, take care. Have a great night.